Radio. Color Me Dead. This is a true crime podcast, and we talk about murder and fuckery most foul in detail while using the darkest of humor. If you don't like words like fuck and cunt, then you probably shouldn't listen. But if you do, then join us while we fuck your feelings. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Color Me Dead podcast with Angel and Nikki. We are on episode <laughs> 151. Did you like that? Episode. Episode. Look at your paper. I, I I read that this morning when I was looking at it. I was like, <laughs> episode, episode, uh, episode one fifty one is uh, brought to you by Angel and Nikki. <laughs> no, just I was gonna be like the letter K. I know I was trying to think of some some fun smart ass sponsor, and then I was like, um, nope, I got nothing right Not now. Not gonna happen today. If you guys want to find us on social media, you can do that. We are on Twitter at Color Me Dead Pod. You can find us on Facebook, the Color Me Dead Podcast. And if you choose to join our little Facebook group, it's called CMD Reborn. If you can't find it, that means we've been shut down because Again. it's coming. I mean, it's coming. It's inevitable at this point. Like Zuckerberg has decided. Fuck those guys. Yeah, dude. He's uh, he's the fucking fun Gestapo. Dude, he really is. And the things that he allows to fly and then tries to shut us down, I'm like, bitch, get a hold. Stop get a it. So we're also on Instagram. If you want to go over there, we're the Color Me Dead podcast or Color Me Dead Angel or Gory underscore Nikki. Yeesh. As soon as you said Instagram, I got an Instagram notification. So I was like, I. that was I'm so like, oh, weird. Oh, must have been us because all it said on here was Instagram. If you go to ageofradio.org slash color me dead, you can find all of our episodes. Not only that, you can shop the bazaar. You can check out other shows that are on Age of Radio and you can hit that great big Patreon button and you can make a pledge. Yes, you can. It's anything from $1 to $75 or you can add a custom amount, I believe. You get ad-free episodes and stickers with every donation and then all the perks change from there on out the game changes the game changes and you lost the game donation. <laughs> <laughs> and if you guys uh or you can go to patreon ah uh, yes patreon.com slash color me dead podcast do that if you guys are interested in picking up some merch you can you can go to lagracreations.com mm-hmm. everything that is made there supports a small woman-owned business Yes. And we encourage that. Um, Also, there are very exclusive Color Me Dead designs there that cannot be found anywhere else. Mm -mm. And she, she, good Lord, she designed them on her own just for us. So that's literally the only place that you can get them. You can also get custom stuff from her. If you see something you like, but you want it different, she'll do it. She customizes basically everything. 
Hence my two cups sitting here on the table. Right. Yeah. Perhaps you would like to go to Threadless. Yeah, you can do that at colormydeadpod.threadless.com. Face masks, skateboards, bath mats, shower curtains. There's Pillows. all kinds of stuff. Yeah. I mean, you you name it. T-shirts and shit too. Of course. Hey. Oh, hey. Do you want to send things to us? I think I you love do. getting things in the mail. I do too. You can send them to P.O. Box 1610, Vernal, Utah, 84078. So if you guys want to send us an email, share your story with us, give us some feedback, tell us we suck, you can. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> Because God bless you, that's your freedom of speech. Right. Which we do get a little bit of hate emails here and there. Yeah, it's, it's a rate. It's cool. You can send that to colormedeadpodcast at gmail.com. Anyway. Start. Okay. I'm going to tell you the first story. Pronto. Because it's uh, true crime things. But before we start in on another series, we have a few conversation topics to touch on. First of all. Lisa Montgomery. Did you hear about Lisa Montgomery? Do you know who Lisa <coughs> Montgomery is? Well. If not, we're going to tell you. Yes. She's the woman that cut the baby from a young mother in 2004. Lisa Montgomery is the only female inmate on federal death row in the U.S. She has been executed for murder. Yes. She received a lethal injection at a prison in Tierra Hout. Tierra Hout. Tierra Hout. <coughs> I'm going to make that really fancy. How tay? Just kidding. Don't put an E on the end and church it up, son. Uh, Don't you mean dirt? How to church it up, dirt. (laughs) That place is in Indiana. After a last minute stay of execution was lifted by the U.S. Supreme Court. The case attracted attention because her lawyers argued that she was mentally ill and suffered serious serious abuse as a child. The 52-year-old strangled a pregnant woman before cutting out and kidnapping her baby in Missouri in 2004. Her victim was 23-year-old Bobby Joe Stinnett, who bled to death, but her baby was safely recovered and returned to her family. Mm-hmm. Montgomery is the first female inmate to be put to death by the U.S. government in 67 years. According to witnesses, a woman standing next to Montgomery during the execution process removed the inmate's face mask and asked her if she had any last words. Montgomery responded, no, and said nothing else. She was pronounced dead at 1.31 a.m. Montgomery's lawyer, Kelly Henry, said that everyone who had participated in the execution should feel shame. That was finger quotes, should feel shame. He also said the government stopped at nothing in its zeal to kill this damaged and delusional woman. Oh, that's, it's a she. Sorry. She said Lisa Montgomery's execution was far from justice. The latest execution was p- postponed twice. P- 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 post. Today, Junior. The latest execution was postponed twice, first by COVID-19, then by a judge, until Supreme Court ruling cleared the way for it to take place during the early hours of Wednesday. In a dramatic move late on Monday, a judge in Indiana had halted the scheduled injection until a mental competency hearing could be held. Her lawyers argued that she had been born brain damaged and was too mentally ill to be executed. As a child, she was routinely sexually and physically abused by her father and trafficked by her mother. Family members are the ones who 
who told them that. Her treatment was so violent that it amounted to torture, her lawyer said. Her defense team believed that at the time of her crime, Montgomery was psychotic and out of touch with reality. That, that opinion is supported by 41 current and former lawyers, as well as human rights groups like the Inter-American Commission on Human Rights. She has to be totally removed. Like, she has no feeling towards people. After living a life like that, it's like it reminded me of Mary Bell. Like, there's no... There's no feeling towards other people or their feelings. Anyway, but her victim's family and friends say the murder committed by Montgomery was so horrific that she deserved to be put to death regardless of her mental health. She killed 23-year-old Stinnett in Skidmore, Missouri after befriending the pregnant woman online over a shared love of dogs. After driving to Stinnett's house, Montgomery overpowered the woman, strangled her with a piece of rope, and cut the baby out of her womb. Ah. What? So here's my thing. I've been using that a lot. Here's my thing. Here's my thing. Personal opinion. Here's the thing. You may suffer mental illness, and mental illness is not your fault. But it is your responsibility. Right. Now, unless you... Unless you suffer from DID in like the worst possible fucking way, you don't strangle somebody and then cut a fucking baby from their womb and like not know what you're doing. So I feel as though this was like premeditated. She thought it was a good idea. She really needed a baby. Like she's not, perhaps she is the first person to have been like caught. Yeah. But there have been several cases where somebody has attempted to cut a baby from another woman. Well, and my thought on that, like with the DID, because I was like, it reminds me of Mary Bell. Right. But do you think Mary Bell would want a baby? No. Like in her time of when she was like 12 and doing all the fucked up shit to other kids. Right. Do you think she would, in that state, do you think she would want another baby? That's kind of what throws me off. Because if you're, if you've got the, the DID, you're detached. You don't want to love something else and take care of it. Do you? I don't know. I'm not, I'm not an expert. Clearly. Neither I, but just throwing out my arm, my armchair diagnosis. (laughs) We need to get stickers. I know. We're us in armchairs. I fucking armchair medical Institute of Utah. I'm having like, an di- idea. Like, I want like director's chairs. You know what I mean? Armchair diagnosing. <clears throat> my, like, my armchair diagnosis is lab coats. Yes. Name badges with the little pocket protector fucking thingy so I can have Dr. my pens. Dr. Maze and Dr. Toon. Yeah, man. Whatever. MDMF. <laughs> Medical doctor, motherfucker. Doctor of the armchairs. <clears throat> uh,. From what I understand, most individuals who suffer DID and are that detached, I guess it would depend on the person currently in control of... Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. You might have somebody, but here, but here's the thing. She wasn't diagnosed with DID. Mm-mm. And if she was, nobody, nobody fucking thought it was important to say... Just saying. All so they did say she have some? Did she have severe mental health problems? Yes. Well, yeah. 
did she deserve the death penalty? That's rough because yeah, you can see it from the family side where you're like, fuck her. Like, I would feel that way about anybody no matter what. If you get one of my family members, strangle them while they're pregnant mm-hmm. with a baby, cut the baby out, I want you to die. don't care what the fuck. Like, that's right. where I lose all care because that's my family member. So I'm going to I'm gonna be on their side no matter what. So I understand the family side, but I also understand like where the attorney is like, that's not justice. But she's 52, so what are we going to do? Go put her in, in all kinds of mental health facilities and and get her, quote, fixed? You know what? She would... What do we do uh, here? Honestly, she would have to stay in a medical lockup facility. Right. Kind of like, kinda like the, the mental health... Well, not mental health. What the fuck just came out of my mouth? The prison in which they house Mm -hmm. the mentally ill patients in Atascadero. Yeah. And so what is... She would have to stay in like the behavioral health, mental health unit of a prison because um, while she was locked up, while she was on death row, was she getting treatment to make any sort of improvements or did they decide that she was on death row? Fuck it. We're just going to let her be. Right. And what is the quality of life being able to stay alive, but in, I don't know, prison? Well, I don't know, man. Sounds pretty cushy. Somebody else makes my food. Somebody else does my laundry. I get to watch TV and shit. They throw pills at me a couple of times a day. I don't know, man. That could be kind of cushy. It's literally like 2020 for the rest of your life because you're, you can't see your people. If you do, it's through glass. Yeah. But do I want to see new people? Right. You're I mean, look who inside, you're asking. Right. You're inside <laughs> all the time. You can't go anywhere. You can't do anything. It's, I don't know, like, maybe I'm a quitter, but I think I'd rather take the death penalty than sit in fucking prison all my life. But that could be a very unpopular opinion. I'm sorry if I piss anybody off. I'm just throwing shit out there because that's what we do. Thoughts. Food for the soul. <laughs> Okay. She says food for the soul. I was going to say food for thought, but no, <clears throat> food for the soul is way better. Sure. Anyway, back to the story if I can find my place. Mm, okay. Police found Montgomery cradling a newborn girl she claimed to have given birth to the day before. After her story fell apart, she confessed to the killing. She was found guilty of the crime in 2007. The next day, she was sentenced to death. Could you imagine her being like, okay, so I know that you can tell that I wasn't pregnant or that the baby didn't come out, but I heal really fast. So I had the baby yesterday and you can't tell. I don't even know how. Again, this plays into the like, well, that wasn't justice because you murdered somebody that was mentally ill. But I don't know how she thought she was going to be able to pass that off. No. So if the police find you, cause that's, that's pretty vague. Where did they find that's her? And why were they looking say. for her? You was know, she just like sitting on the side of the road, holding all a willy baby? fucking nilly with a bloody baby. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know either. That's so weird. Or was she? Yeah. I don't know. Anyway, since 2008, Montgomery has been held in a federal prison in Texas for female inmates with special needs where she has been receiving psychiatric care. So that answered our question, even though we both have read this and probably already knew that, but didn't think about it. Since receiving her execution date, she'd 
been placed on suicide watch in an isolated cell. Why would you put him on suicide watch if you were going to execute him? That's what I don't get. There are so many things about... Like, I don't mean to sound no, like, cruel but... or unkind or like... I. That was a legitimate question. Like, dude, if you're going to execute him, why the fuck did you put him on suicide watch? Do you... Like, you don't... Is that like... Mine. I get to do it. You don't get to do it. Yeah. I get to do it. Don't hurt yourself because I'm going to hurt you later. Well, it's like when what? they can't go in to be executed if they're unhealthy. Huh? You're going to... That just to talk to oh. us. Explain that to me like I'm five, because clearly I don't I, get it. You're going to kill him anyway. Why are you going to spend yeah, all why the, the money to fix him? Why the fuck are you swabbing his arm with a alcohol swab to sanitize <laughs> the area in which you're going to prick his arm to lethally inject him? Like, what so, the fuck? Anything to do with the death penalty is literally COVID standards. <laughs> there are none, and they don't make sense. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god shit <clears throat> so montgomery's lawyer hey, hey are you going to the bar or are you going to the grocery store i need to then know where you're fine. going so that i can fucking i i need to know where you're going so the covid can come and get you because if you're in a bar apparently you're twice as likely to get covid than going to the grocery store so when we right. go on lockdown bars closed but we can all fucking go to walmart and when everybody has a mask mandate and all chi- children's sports, all the youth sports, because that's apparently where all this is growing, get shut down for two weeks, but keep the rec center swimming pool open. <laughs> and that's where everybody goes. That is literally what happened. My son could not play hockey for two weeks, but he could go swimming with all the other kids in the town. And that's because chlorine fucking kills everything. You know that, right? Apparently. Bleach in the water. If your kids come out of the water and their eyes are fucking maroon, it's then because they've good. been double douching the pool with fucking bleach. <laughs> okay. Montgomery's lawyer, Mrs. Henry, Miss Henry, said her original legal defense was woefully inadequate and presented few of the details about her abuse, trauma, and mental illness. The Supreme Court outlawed the death penalty at state and federal level in 1972, but reversed the decision four years later. Since 1976, 16 women other than Lisa Montgomery have been executed by all individuals, oh, sorry, by all individual states rather than by the government. Before Montgomery's execution, the last woman to be executed by the U.S. government was Bonnie Hedy. Hedy? Hedy. Hedy? Hedy. Hedy. Bonnie Hedy. Bonnie Hedy, who died in a gas chamber in Missouri in 1953, according to the Death Penalty Information Center. Bonnie Hedy was one of the people involved in the kidnapping and murder of Bobby Greenlease Jr., who Angel is going to tell us a wee bit about. So, Bobby Greenlease Jr. was actually the son of an automotive mogul. Back in the day, um, <clears throat> Bobby Greenleaf Jr. was a six-year-old who was kidnapped and supposedly being held for ransom by two individuals. Um, his dad, Robert Greenleaf Sr., was a multimillionaire auto dealer, and when the requested ransom payment um, was made, it was the largest in American history at that time. The two people that were actually Actually, actually, the two the, people were actually, actually like totally there. Oh God, these <laughs> two. Okay, let me tell you what. Actually, 
The two people responsible for his kidnap and murder are Carl Hall and our girl, Bonnie Hetty. Hetty. Hetty, Hetty, Hetty. Hetty, Hetty. Hetty. The fucked up thing is they had killed this kid before they even made the ransom. So uh. they had no intention of returning this kid back to the family. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? And perhaps we'll spend a day covering that case in the direct near future. Um, I do not love child murder cases. I don't either. I don't like them at all. Because then I'm like, kids, you can't leave the house ever again. I know. And I, I have developed a weird soft spot for kids. And... Uh, I never used to give a shit like, fuck your kids. I could watch your kid fall off a bike all day. (laughs) I've developed a soft spot for little children's. And so anything to, you know, anything to do, I think being around you Mm kind of ruined me. And then when I was raising little, littler kids, you know what I mean? Nine years old. Yeah. Being around your six year old and then you see them and you're like, oh, fuck. And then it's, when you read about stuff happening, and yeah, then you dude, then imagine you're like, oh, that Jesus person, God. like imagine that kid <clears throat> happening yep. to that kid. After we did Veronica Fitzen, I, <laughs> I didn't let my kids go play on the trampoline for a while. It, it like no kind of ruin you, man. Like when you when you're able to put a face, you know what I'm saying. And you, yeah. So I've developed a titch of a soft spot. Right. And I knew the Veronica Fitzen case since it fucking happened. Right. Because uh, my mom did that to me <laughs> when it happened. Exactly. So when Sorry, you, you can't go outside anymore. Then when you look at your child and you're like, oh my God, mm-hmm. my six-year-old, these things, these horrible things. Um, yeah. So of course, of course, of course. A horse is a horse, of course, of course. Of course. I want to touch bases on the Night Stalker. We have which, to. Yeesh. Which, um, I wanted to let you guys know something. Often, I don't like to cover cases that are fresh in the media, and I don't like to follow a TV docuseries. I especially hate when it's both and people are barking at us to cover it, like Chris Watts, which is part of the reason we haven't covered that yet. When it's a popular case in media, there's very little that I can tell you that you don't already know. It's on every channel, it's on every station, and quite frankly, you just cannot compete with that. Our one exception is Aaron Hernandez. Oh, but and that but wait. was because we had bought the book probably a year earlier yeah. when we were at Barnes and Noble. Noble. It was already in the works. I had already started writing it, and then the Netflix then series Netflix dropped. dropped. I was like, "Well, <laughs> fuck!" So that Which, is the only reason that that all. Whoa! I'm hitting my microphone because I'm all excited. <laughs> pa, 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 pa. That's the, the only reason that that came out at the same time is because it was premeditated. There are cases that are like half ass written and I've stopped because Netflix or Hulu or fucking prime or whomever is like, has dropped a documentary and dude, it's no fun to try and follow that shit up. No, but my, my thing is like, Hmm. After you watch something, you're like, I bet I can find a whole lot. Yeah. I bet I can find some mo. Yeah. Well, the media has a hundred times mo better resources and money to produce a true crime piece of entertainment than we ever will. So again, when we follow docuseries like The Night Stalker, the, you have to like really dig deep. You right, because they have the fucking... Sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. They have the detectives. Dude! They're interviewing... We can't... What do you want me to... How do you want me to go drum up Salerno and Gil... 
And if you're listening to this, give us a call. Hey, dude. Come, uh, come check it. You know what? I know you're retired. Okay. First and foremost, congratulations on your service. Thank you very much. Uh, come to Utah in the summertime. It's amazing. We'll go fishing. We'll go to Flaming Gorge. But not before you stop by the Low Carb Kitchen and we record something with you. I'll feed you. Low carb. We Low can carb. even high carb it if that's what we, you're yeah, into. Yeah, if you want to, if that's what you're into, we'll do that. <laughs> I can. We, high we carb can do that. Shit out like of everything. The, um, and now we'll just like this episode is brought, brought to you by, by the, the Low Carb, carb kitchen. kitchen. That's what we should have said in the beginning. Fucking rights. Why couldn't we think of that as I'm looking at the walls of the low carb kitchen trying to find an inspiration to this ha. episode is brought to you by I go blink. Huh. It's a re- <laughs> It's how the brain works. <clears throat> well, like I said, in order to give you guys something worth following, something like a docu series, I got to I got to like really dig deep. So, as old Richard Excuse me, as old as Richard Ramirez's case is, there isn't a lot that I can give you guys that you don't already know. I do love opening the floor to discussion, though, on TV specials. Yes. And things like uh, I Love You Now Die with Michelle Carter and Conrad Roy. I like to open the floor for discussion and then I like to fiddle with people. So if you have not yet seen the Netflix docuseries, the Night Stalker. Now is your time to turn off this episode because there are spoilers. Unless you want the spoilers, then keep listening. And, and I'm one of those people. Want. I Me actually too. like spoilers. Um, t- things that I'm really, really into that I've never seen before um, often give me anxiety. People that deal with really bad anxiety, especially people with ADHD, mm-hmm. um, we will often watch and rewatch the same shit we've already seen a billion times because it's familiar Yep, and it's easy. Yep. That's how, that's how simple I am. Same. <clears throat> so here, here's some things. Okay. Yeesh. Notable good things about the Night Stalker series. Okay. And okay. these are, these are based on my personal opinions. So don't get all fucking wadded up if you disagree. I will. Well, you if can I suck dis- my soul, Nick. If I disagree, I'll just say wrong. <laughs> First and foremost, uh, number one, you get to hear about and from the people who were instrumental in catching Richard. Rubens. Loved that. Okay. I loved that, and their thoughts and their family life, and the wife of the one detective. Loved that. I agree with you on that. Gil Carillo and. Frank Salerno. Frank, that was uh, that was. So I can remember. I, I, I can remember Gil's first name. I can even remember his wife's first name. Her name was Pearl because mm-hmm. I thought it was such a pretty, like, uh, it's a very 1920s like pretty right. name. You know, I loved their little story too. When he was like, I had all, of, I had these goals, and he's like, and one of them was to come back, <gasps> Ugh, but get it, back together with my girlfriend who dumped me when I was in Vietnam, Vietnam. and break her heart. <laughs> I was like, oh my God, who admits to that? That made me love him right there. I know. But I was like, God damn, who dumps their boyfriend in Vietnam? Right. That was the other thing. Owie. I mean, I don't know how that all works and shit. Like, I'm pretty sure that she was trying to save herself from the heartbreak because like, men, 50 of you are going into the jungle. 25 of you ain't coming back. Yeah. Like, you know what I mean? So I'm, I'm trying not to falter. But anyway, their whole story is absolutely adorable. Adorable. And Tihau, um, in my opinion, I thought that it was really cool 
to see the people that worked so diligently mm-hmm. on catching. Right. And even, they... even the, even the small, uh, like the citizens yep. that chased him down and shit. Like I thought that was really cool to see. And they talked about how his, when his wife got scared and he sent his wife away. Like, Oh yeah. She was like, I'm leaving and I'm not coming back until this is over. Those are things that I think of when we're talking about other cases. I'm like, is, you know, who is scared? Are they scared? Cause their husband is gone all the time trying to catch this person. Do they feel like they're a target? I think, I think especially now because the age of information is dangerous as fuck. Back in 1984, 1985, you might know that a certain uh, detective is working on a case, but it's very easy to know, you know, you can Google that guy and find out where they live, what they drive, what their kids, you know, what school their kids fucking go to. Like it's, I think now more than ever. Yeah. It's pretty scary shit. Right. Yeah. Um, number two. You are able to hear first account from their victims and the from excuse me from victims as well as their families, which is something you don't always get nope. to hear. The girl whose grandma died, I was like, oh my god, that it just that hurts me. The so the the cases that they did cover, as far as um, who he actually murdered or attempted to murder, they went into more depth on some people. Than others. Than others. Mm-hmm. And that's okay. Um, Cause, yeah, they didn't have time to do everybody. Right. But I For think me, that they, they should have. I could have I watched 20 parts. Yeah, dude. You could have gone 16 episodes and I would have I diligently watched there. all of them in a single fucking sitting. Yeah. When it was over, I was like, that's all. God damn you. <laughs> um, so, number three. Understanding real fear mm-hmm. in true crime. And that is something that I personally got to experience. And when I say real fear in true crime, it's you got to see not just the detectives, but how it impacted their family. Mm -hmm. You got to hear from victims as well as their families. And you got to see as it's unfolding what real fear looks like when there's a serial killer involved. Mm -hmm. Um, Especially one that doesn't have a... Uh, a type? A type. He, <gasps> it was anybody and everybody because... That, so, <clears throat> this is the funnest part about some of these docuseries. Somebody, people love to call Richard Ramirez a psychopath, but he wasn't. A psychopath is very meticulous and they're very calculated and they have a type and they have a way and they have like a, it's almost ritualistic ritualistic in the way that they do things he's a fucking sociopath he was all about like pride power you know what i mean and so that i think is another facet of understanding like real fear well with that they talked about how he loved to see fear in their eyes like the one the first girl that they covered they said that she came up over over the the counter. counter he waited till he saw the fear in her eyes and then he killed her but the other girl in the same house didn't show the fear so he didn't kill her he likes fear he it's a it's a power thing which happens show me that and and that's i think again with like understanding real fear Nobody was fucking safe 
No. From 19, yeah, dude, 1984, 1985, it didn't matter if you were a little boy, a little girl, didn't matter if you were a man, a woman, black, white, brown, purple, old. yellow, heliotrope, young, old, nobody was safe anymore. And that's real fucking scary, dude. It's one thing when they're like, you know what? I think we got a serial killer on our hands. And he, what he really likes is short Hispanic girls with light eyes. Right. Or the, the Bundy long brown hair part right. in the middle. Then that's his. Way fish. Then you're like. Then All right. I'm going to bleach my hair and eat a lot of cookies. You're like, hey. Problem solved. So when you hear <laughs> that somebody's got a type and you're like, yeah, he likes those tall, leggy blondes, you know, that look like they're fucking Aryan poster children, blonde hair, blue eyes, big tits, long legs. And you're like, fucking A, because that ain't me, chief. Yep. But when they're like, hey, lock your doors, lock your fucking windows. Make sure the shit is like double check because ain't nobody, they raping everybody out here. Mm-hmm. That's some fucking, that's scary. That's real fear. Yeah. So big time. Uh, the other thing, number four, the soundtrack alone is badass as fuck. And as silly as it seems, I love a good soundtrack. In fact, when I was a youngster and even now, if you look on my phone, I have a shit ton of soundtracks. Mm-hmm. A lot of my CDs, like, I, because yes, I still have them. They're in the fucking horrible magazine book thingy. <clears throat> where if you put it in, you're not sure if it's going to work or not. <laughs> but where do you find a CD player? My car doesn't even have one anymore. Uh-uh. Nope. <laughs> I was like, whoa, no Ooh. CD player. We're here. We're there already. We are there. Because it used to be the only place I have CD players in my car. Uh-uh. Not, not no more. Not no more. Uh, anyway. I'm very into music. I'm very into scores. I'm very into what they put in the background. And I like that they did a good job. Number five. And this rustled some jimmies. Crime scene photos. Yep. Now, while Netflix did edit the photos so that they weren't over the top graphic or explicit, they were included. I am of the opinion that they should not have edited them, edited them at all. Like, let me see the bullet wound. Let me see the stab and cuts and you know what I'm saying? Let Mm -hmm. me see it. However, there were lots of people who expressed on Twitter, especially that Netflix went too far and that they didn't need to show, they didn't need to show the crime scene photos. And then, you know, like some of the, when he shot people, they did like the reenactment of like the blood splatter and stuff like that. Some people took offense to that and said that it was too graphic or that it was too much and that they didn't put a disclaimer at the beginning of the episodes. Listen, fuckers, (laughs) you're going to watch about a serial killer. Go in just with that in your mind that you're going to see dead bodies and blood (laughs) because forensic files. Hello. They didn't show any more than the forensic (gasps) files did. So there were several people that were upset that it well but at the very beginning it was like this is tvma for whatever so it did have a disclaimer but it didn't have like a disclaimer that specifically says that if you are a sensitive little cunt that you shouldn't be watching true crime 
in the first goddamn place because we're not going to church it up and make this a dangerous episode of My Little Ponies. Like, listen, motherfucker, this is real life shit. We're not, this isn't fake shit. These people probably turn around and watch like the most gory fucking movies where everybody's getting blasted in the forehead with a 45, but then they're going to turn around and bitch about something that's real. This is real. This is the shit that you should think about this shit and maybe mental health awareness much. I'm just saying that the first four letters of our genre spell true nonfiction. Right. And it (laughs) means true. And so this really happened. This person was really dead. Yeah, dude. And they're going to show the real picture. There were people not pleased that there was not a disclaimer that the photos took it too far. I disagree. I want to see it. I think, yeah, I think they did just fine. I think. I am of the opinion that when I turn, when I specifically tune into true crime, I want to see all of it. I think they did the faces like for the family. They covered the faces for the family. Well, and they, because they covered like bullet holes. Well, so, like, in the, for like, the, the ones s- that lived that got shot in the head, they showed those close up. Uh, yeah. And they showed their faces. Yeah. I don't know, man. There's, um, there was actually one person on Twitter that made the comment. They were like, wow, I hope Netflix got permission to show these oh crime scene photos for extended periods and da, 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 or like they should sue them. Sweetheart, you need to settle into, um, knowing what the fuck you're talking about. Do a little research. Those photos were, trust me, they were bought and paid for to be used. <laughs> you're silly. Oh. You're silly. Um, uh, number six. Hearing the voice of Richard Ramirez. Dude, can I get a little more of that? That was... Because it makes it so real. Like with the photos Uh and with the voices, you can read about it all you want. And you can put it out of your mind that like, oh yeah, there's this. It's not real. But then you hear the voice and you see the pictures. This shit just got real. And you need to take it serious because this is real shit. True crime is real. True crime is real shit. That's why... um, Sometimes when we don't get an episode out and we have to take these like extended breaks away from shit, there are people who are like, nah, not me. I could do this all day, every day and every minute of my life. True crime, true crime, true crime. Bitch, stop it. Because if you dug as deep as we did 24 hours a day, you would find out that A, you're either a fucking psychopath and you likely abuse animals in your spare time or you're going to hit like battle fatigue in your brain. I would like anyone to go read. You know what? Back to back, go read about fuck. No, like in dirty, dirty detail. I would like for you to read Pee Wee Gaskins, baby Rihanna, and just wrap it up with a little bit of the candy man. Dude, throw some Dean Coral in there. And, and Fred and Rose West is where I was going. You know what? Oh, because that dude. one, that one, we, I put in a lot that they did, but I left out some disturbing descriptions Mm -hmm. go read that like what you get Mm -hmm. from us and what you get from a documentary and what you get from all the shit that you think that you're getting from different podcasts or whatever Mm -mm. go read the book yep not all of them some of them are like okay same shit but there's some like that fred and rose west book and the Wee gaskins book whether it be true or not because nobody knows dude talking about truth i'm just saying that when you read that 
and absorb it the way that we have to, to give you guys the information, it fucks you up. Yeah. Cause it's not a one read through. It's a read through. We're going to go back. We're going to pick we're, it apart. Uh, we're we're going to, we're actually going to reread that because did I just read that he tasted a fucking baby? Did he just say that out mm-hmm. loud? Cause keep in mind, sweetie pie, that was in the Pee Wee Gaskins book when he raped a fucking two year old. And they put it in so much detail that I wanted to throw up. Thank you. That one was so hard to do. So hard. So, yeah. I don't remember where <laughs> we were going with that because I just got stuck. But that was a that was a brain well, bleach. I'm still on brain bleach from yeah. that one. That was hard. The voice. So when you read something and you read it out loud and you hear it in your own voice or you say it upstairs, if you have an inside upstairs voice, some people don't. Yours is, um, holy shit. Apparently last night, my inner monologue voice, my ups, my inside voice was Gilderoy Lockhart from Harry Potter. And I logged into my fucking email and I couldn't, I don't even know what started it, but I was like, can you all hear me? Can Can you you all all see me? me? (laughs) When I got your text, I, I read it at one 30 in the morning when I just woke up randomly and I looked at it and I was like, ha, that was immediately what I heard was, can you all hear me? Can Can you you all all see me? me? So I text my friend in the middle of the fucking night and I'm like, I just caught myself monologuing my inner monologue with the voice of Gilderoy Lockhart. (laughs) And I thought you should know. (laughs) I have no fucking idea what was going on in my brain, but everything was like, (laughs) yeah. I walked into the, even when I went to the bathroom and washed my hands and I looked in the mirror and I looked really tired. I was like, who am I? And it, (laughs) I'll just have you the I'll just have you nip the rest of them. Ah, sorry about that. Oh, I love it. I yeah, love dude. It. It's not every I day love. that I monologue. My inner monologue is voiced by fucking Gilderoy Lockhart. After you listen, <laughs> if you ever listen to the books, the Harry Potter books, because we do that a lot while we're driving, mm-hmm. I always inner monologue in Jim Dale's voice. And the voice has changed. Like the, yeah, the voice right? pitches change just like he does when he reads the Harry Potter books. That's my favorite. Um, number, oof, hold please. Number oof, oof. Seven. Oh, so we are on number seven, but I'm gonna flip flop number seven for number eight. The production team, the writers, the producers, etc., didn't touch too hard on the molestation and the sex sexual assault of little kids, and I appreciate that. I do that. very much. Because that's where I was like getting ready to nope out. I'm like, if they go into this, I can't. Um, because one of his victims, the mm. uh, the nine year old that he raped and murdered, there are things that um, and and he did it a lot. Like he broke into a home and sexually assaulted the mom, and then sodomized her eight year old son after killing her fucking husband. Like there are things that he did to little kids that are fucking horrible. Yeah, and. In, like, in addition to, oh my God, this is going to say so, like, this is going to sound really fucked up when I say it out loud, but hear me out. I can't handle, like, rape is bad all the way around, but when a woman is raped, I'm like, that fucking sucks, but you're not going to die, okay? (laughs) A little girl could, and they fucking have. Yeah. So when little kids are raped... By a grown man, it fucking hurts me worse 
Because as a grown woman, of course we don't want somebody inside of us against our fucking will. Like, rape's horrible. Mm -hmm. It is awful. But our fucking adult bodies are built to bust a child. So is it going to kill us for a man to rape us? Not physically. No. Not likely. Not physically. Not physically. Depending on what he does. But exactly. But a little girl, a little six-year-old girl, he just fucking might. And if he doesn't, he ruins her for the rest of her uh, life. He could damage... Not just mentally, physically. Right, but he could, like, damage her little uterus and shit to the point that, like, she can't reproduce if she wanted to. And, like, dude, you could perforate little baby parts and fucking bleed out and shit. Like, you, fuck, it's happened. So, like, when I hear too much about that, like, I fixate on it and then I hurt my own feelings. Uh-huh. Yeah. So, I, I did appreciate that while they were, like blips of it and and stuff they didn't hit too hard on it and i'm like super thankful for that if i so desire to get into that for an episode then i have to mentally prepare myself to go into that and be like inspector gadget where i like go in and i'm like boom 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 fact 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 and i take it and i put it where it needs to be and then i walk away I'm like, I'm going to skim through this part. It's like reading it in mumble. (laughs) God. No. Now, that being said, um, one of the sexual assault victims was Anastasia Hrono. Hrona. Who is 41 now. She's our age, but she was six years old when she was um, sexually assaulted by Richard Ramirez. And during her interview, having her say that she was okay... Made me feel some feelings like knowing like she came up to the plate and she listed all the ways that she's happy and she's healthy and she really is okay. And but then also told about what happened. So, you know, that she's in she's She's healed a lot of therapy. She can talk about it because she could say it out in the open. What happened? Yeah, I'm so glad that she got therapy for that, that she was able to talk through it, move along because I feel like I need therapy just from her telling about it when she was like, well, I tell him that I need to go to the bathroom. So he'd stop what he was doing and he would set me on the sink. Matter of fact, I was like, these things happened to me. These things aren't me. They don't define me. These are things that happened to me. I had to rewind that part seriously to hear it again, to hear her say it again. I had to rewind it and be like, did you just say that? Did you just... Because when she's like, he would be doing, you know, what he was doing, and then he would stop what he was doing to put me on the on the sink. I was like, okay, was he, like, cleaning the house or something and stopped to let you go to the bathroom? <laughs> like, did you... Yeah. Is it really just, what's going on? But that is that is the voice. Those are the words of a healed person. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Um, uh, number nine. I thought that the... Use of footage from the time was well used. Yep. Like it, the way that it was used, where it was placed in the, you know what I mean? Whether it was um, footage from the news, whether it was footage from the police, um, interview tapes, you know, what have you. It was really great. You, you literally have Richard Ramirez on news camera when they, when you were allowed to stick a camera in their fucking face and just badger them for fucking information. But you literally have Richard Ramirez in the back of a police car saying, it's me, okay? It's me. I did it. 
Well, and for me, it was like the image that you see of Richard Ramirez the most is him showing that symbol in his hand. He so, didn't right, even fucking do the pentagram in his fucking hand, right? That's what really right. like pisses me off is like, yo, if you're you two points up, dude, you did it wrong. You did it wrong, dumbass. But for me, it was always <clears throat> like a really cocky motherfucker doing that. But you saw different points of him there when he was walking at some times he was kind of like hmm. and then you saw the evolution of his cockiness oh the- based on <clears throat> number 10 no not number 10 something later based on something we're going to talk about here in just a minute <laughs> <laughs> but you saw the evolution through the video you, you do his- see the growth the evolution of ego like from no sunglasses, just kind of like oh, I, worried oh. about what the fuck did I do well, to Mr. Sunglass Man turning around blowing kisses to bitches. Like, oh, well, didn't you mm-hmm. notice that he got him TVs fixed? Yeah. So, because that one picture, the one that well, they he kept smiles showing. and he, right. But if you watch in court when fluffy hair, sunglasses, Mr. Ramirez starts, uh, Flashing those pearly whites, he got his fucking teethies fixed while he was locked up, and that, um, oh yeah, that also increased that. But uh, number ten, it wasn't necessary. They were not trying to glorify Richard Ramirez. Mm-mm. No, they were putting the fear in of what he actually was. Um, I appreciated that they didn't um, focus so much on what he was able to achieve mm-hmm. as far as like like in his eyes you know what i'm saying um it wasn't all about a body count it was it was right. a list of accomplishments um so here are a few things notable that were not awesome about the docu-series <clears throat> number one it sort of glorified richard ramirez <laughs> it did in a way it did um and here's what happens okay And this was actually in an article that I did not love done by the Nerdist. When you glorify law enforcement, you fall victim to a lot of different things. But when you show how hard the detectives work and all of the time and all of the effort and not being with their families and having to do this, 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 this. We have not only made heroes out of the police, which I think they fucking deserve. Okay, don't yeah. don't get me wrong, because I back the fucking blue. And if you disagree with that, that's unfortunate. But I, I am that person. Mm-hmm. But you essentially make the serial killer, the person that they're chasing, this wild e coyote, this hard to nab, fucking outsmarted you. And so, in a way, you inadvertently glorify a serial killer. You showed all the ways to get away with it. Kind of, sort of. I mean, you could, you one, like, 100% cannot fucking be a serial killer in 2021. Let me tell you why. I have a video doorbell. I have cameras all around the outside of my house. You are literally being fucking recorded everywhere you go. We have doorbells that catch your image we have security cameras we have car cameras like motherfucking tesla will find out if you door dinged somebody whether Mm -hmm. they saw you or not because it recorded your ass there's traffic cams like literally everywhere you go if my yeah if my security system doesn't get you the neighbors will right (laughs) 
If, right. Like mine shows right to the neighbor's house. Like you can't even go fucking hiking without ending up on somebody's mm. trail cam, dude. So like realistically, could somebody get away with being a serial killer in 2021? You'd have to they like could. really fucking want it. But not like, but not like 1984, 1985. Huh? You couldn't just go sit in a neighborhood and see, oh, they don't lock their doors. Sweet. Ready to go. Let me go check it out. Uh, number two. Um, this ties back into what I loved, crime scene photos. Number two is that bitches complained um, about the no disclaimer. And bitches complained about true crime being true crime. Now, I will say this. There are a handful of people that commented on a Facebook post that I made. That was like, dear Karens and Chad, yeah. please leave true crime to us. Because if you're just going to bitch and complain until Netflix, HBO, Prime, and Hulu are forced to mute and edit all of their true crime, you're fucking it up for us. Now, there are some people that were like, hey man, I lived through that. Like, I, I, I was a fucking teenager in 1984 1985 mm-hmm. like that was a, a legitimately horrifying scary time for us but she fully admitted that true crime isn't her thing and that she hadn't watched the documentary that wasn't her gig but there were people because i am a part of other true crime pages right what? What? is that allowed and i made a comment <clears throat> when somebody was like motherfucking bitches be tripping on true crime complaining no, 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 no. I was like, I love it when people tune in to true crime and then get offended that they watched true crime. That's what I don't get. If you don't want to see it, don't fucking Yo, watch it. Dude, don't be, don't be that person. Don't be like, I turned on Game of Thrones and it said that there was sex and violence and blood and incest and rape and no, 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 no. And then get to the end of the episode and be like, oh my fucking God, you guys. Shut up, bitch. Don't do it with true crime. So somebody popped on there and was like, some of us lived through it. Me, 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 me. And I'm like, okay, well, if you live through it and that you're, you're triggered by it, then don't watch it. That's the, that's the beauty of the whole pick what you watch on Netflix. There's Holy shit. Millions you're of titles. You're literally in control of everything that you absorb. Just because it came out as one of the top <clears throat> things that are released right you, now doesn't you know, mean you need to watch it. If you know that you were 9, 10 years old when Richard Ramirez was fucking terrorizing California and that you're going to be triggered by that, then don't fucking watch it. But certainly don't jump on a, a, a fucking page and be like, oh my God, me, 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 me. And so then this bitch... Sorry, because this pissed me off. If I can find it, I'll show it to you. This bitch was like, I can understand if you like weren't born or grew up in Ohio. And I was like, motherfucker, you know what? I I actually, (laughs) when that was all going down, I was five years old. I lived in Bakersfield, California. Like, you know why it doesn't trigger me? Because my parents did a really good job of doing what your parents are supposed to fucking do and not tell you why we come in at dark. Because mom said so. Yeah. Because it's time to take a fucking bath and watch Simpsons. Not because there's somebody trolling the streets looking to fucking rape and murder. Anyhow. Yeah, as soon as it gets dark, there's somebody out there so, waiting for you. I, and I just, she's like, usually I can watch whatever I want and true crime this and I'm a true crime this and I'm a no, true crime. No, you're cr- not. If you couldn't handle the Night Stalker, you're not. 
And then I, that and that's wasn't what I was like, I'm like, why are you gatekeeping true crime? Because you're being very hypocritical right now. She's like, I'm not being hypocritical and I'm not gatekeeping. I'm just saying that like the, the fanboys and the fangirls, I'm that. And I was like, who, you know what? I didn't say a fucking thing about fangirls and fanboys and people that romanticize true crime, but here you fucking are gatekeeping true crime. Bitch. <sighs> Kick fucking rocks, tits. It's yeah. it, if she's going to say that she can true crime all day, but couldn't do that one. Like, because that one's triggering because she lived through it. Well, then, so you did, know what? then have a little fucking empathy for the other people that live through all the other fucking true crime that you are. Well, then let's claiming that you're, I'm just fucking true crime queen over here. I can well, watch almost anything, but this is too much. Well, that's because nothing that's affects you because you weren't there. You you're weren't gatekeeping. around, but it only affects you if it was close to you. Is that is that true? Is that what we're saying? So we can't we can't show this because you, Miss Karen. Okay, well then every single woman that was affected by Bundy, every single woman that was affected by Golden State Killer. Were you like, oh my god, but I grew up in Utah and so I don't ever want you to talk about Ted Bundy because he was ever there for a minute. Because he lived here briefly and like went on some hikes and we go to that we go to that area that he went to college and my I brother went to college there <laughs> way after bendy was Ga- dead but he went to college there and we just can't I'll, all i do when i look around is think about ted bundy walked here dum, dum, dum. jesus christ uh let's see i don't like her no, it really okay. pissed me off because I was like, actually, what you're doing right now is you're, this is an attention seeking behavior. And I see it a lot with the children that I work with at the center is you are jumping in and you're standing on your soapbox, pounding on your chest, talking about your fucking feelings and how it triggers you because it's an attention seeking behavior. Because when you turn around and you then placate your audience by saying, usually I can watch whatever. Usually I'm a true queen, true crime, blah, 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 blah. Then you're patting yourself on the back. And I hope you didn't hyperextend your elbow, sweetheart. But you're literally patting yourself on the back for being a fucking hypocrite because if you can usually watch everything else without a titch of empathy towards other people as victims or other people that live through it, you're actually just being a piece of shit, attention-seeking whore, gatekeeper of true crime. She's like watching a kid's bop version of true crime then where they (laughs) skim through it. Eh. So what she was doing was she was looking to relate to people who found it over the top and she did it in such a way that she was just a cunt. And right. you can't the the- say that I'll true crime all day, but that one really bothered me. Well, then you don't true crime all day because there are a lot that are like that. It's I was scary not, that- I, I was nine years old and I'm 46 and I'm older than you. Okay. Well, guess what? Cooter Brown, if you're fucking 46 and you were nine when that shit happened and you're still fucking triggered by it. Because you lived in a time when a serial killer roamed California. Now I can understand if like, if you had been legitimately kidnapped, molested, raped, tortured, whatever by that serial killer, if he had attempted to break into your home, if you saw him lurking around a playground when you were nine, if you were legitimately in direct fire of that serial killer, I could understand carrying that kind of trauma for a long fucking time. But the fact that you just existed in an area where a serial killer also existed 
Can we name the other people that were going along at that time? Just two off the top of my head is the Hillside Strangler and right. Rodney Alcala. Hello. At the same time in the same area. Just Literally, saying. Hillside was right before Ramirez. It was like... Come on. They like literally held hands. And Alcala was right there because mm-hmm. they thought that it was the same person. And because they got caught, Hillside Stranglers got uh-huh. caught during Alcala's murder sprees. Alcala. Alcala. So... I still wonder how you say that. I'm going to call him... How do you say it? I'm going to say it wrong. Rodney Alcala. Alcala. I'm going to say it wrong just to piss you off. So <laughs> which way is it so I can say it the other way? Alcala. Uh, so we already talked about the crime scene photos, the blood spatter reenactments, and a couple of people actually claimed secondhand trauma from having watched the Night Stalker. Might I recommend you don't true crime ever again? Uh, some critics, um, Ebert of Roger and Ebert called it tabloid-esque and it was a disappointment following other true crime series that have come out. No. No. <laughs> Do you want to know no. what was the most disappointing one that I've watched lately is the Bundy tapes. Bundy tapes were Did shit. Did you talk about anything? Did you talk about his murder? No. Murders? That, the Bundy Any, tapes were absolutely Was there shit. one murder mentioned that he did? The only thing I learned about him is how much weight he lost to get the fuck out of the jail. Oh, to wiggle his ass through the vent. Yeah. Like, so, like, if you go listen, because a lot of you guys listen to last podcast on the left. We love last podcast on the left. I love Ben you. Kissel said it best. Okay. The Bundy tapes were nothing more than a blowjob to Bundy postmortem. Dude, they were, it, there was nothing in there that was valuable. Ta- let's turn and, and show the monster that he was of all the girls hey, that he killed dude. in like two seconds. He just bludgeoned the fuck out of 45 girls at once. Okay. That's <laughs> okay. You we're being, you're being excessive, being a little dramatic, but they didn't talk about that in anything in the Bundy tapes. It was like, Oh wait, was he, a, was he a murderer? Oh, and so that's no, why these, because you literally just romanticized it. And that's why these bitches are getting pissed off because you see the Bundy tapes where they don't Ugh. even talk about him being a murderer to going to Richard, Ch- sorry, Richard Ramirez. You're Richard Chase. I'm, Whoa. You just jumped. I'm Richarding. I'm getting yeah, my Richards it's, it's confused. Fine. What's weird about Richard. the Richards? Richard. <laughs> What's weird about the Richards though? Hold me. <laughs> Is neither one of them had a type. Your door's unlocked. Nope. Door's unlocked. That was my invitation to walk the fuck in. If your uh, name which, is Richard, I'm um, scared of you. Romanticizing true crime, which brings me to number five thing I did not enjoy about Netflix docuseries, The Night Stalker. Groupies. I don't like it, but it's. Um, I think it was good that they put it out there that there were people that did that, like right. But the fact that they like they showed the explicit photos of the things that ladies were sending to him and the girls that were showing up to court and how Richard was like flirting with them and waving and. Um, Do you know what I thought of the whole time they were showing those pictures of the girls like sending off their tits to him? <sighs> I was like, you know what? Can you put yourself in one of the victim's places, one that got raped by this man? Put yourself there and then send him your titty pictures. But you know what? That's probably one of their kinks is 
A rape fantasy. Rape well, fantasy. if you're not scared, he's not into you. So you just <laughs> fucked up. You're fucked. I Sorry. hope you I hope you move to LA to become a fucking actress and you're really good at that. You're really good at looking um, scared because that's all he cares about. I hate serial killer fucking groupies. Now, I can fully understand being interested. Interested. And if you write to them to get them to write back to you, um, and you correspond that way in a in a plot. I don't want to call it a platonic friendship, friendship, but in a non-sexual manner, okie dokie. Here's an example. When we were at the Museum of Death in New Orleans, we mm-hmm. bumped into one of our fans. As we were there, we were looking at a letter from Richard Ramirez. Correct. And she said, I sent him that stationery. She was writing him before he died. And she sent him stationery. And one of the letters that was displayed in this place Dude, and that's- was written on the stationery that she had sent him. I don't think that she was sending him her tits and, you know, no. trying to be like, let's fuck. I think she was in- genuinely interested in getting to know what... And that get in the mind of a serial killer. Right. Dude, it, tell me you're not fucking interested in that. I'm interested and it's not to glorify them. It's no, like, I, I want to know what the hell is... Yeah, I have some questions I'd like answered. And dude, if I could get Ed Kemper to write to me... Okay, I'll be honest. This is where I need to eat a little crow. I, I'm with you. Fuck! Get better idols, shit, and stop being a hypocrite, Angel, you fucking hypocrite. But the reason that they're mine is because I want to know what happens in your brain. What I happened? fucking what are you love thinking? Ed Kemper. And I think that, uh, I think the reason that I love Ed Kemper, A, he's great, big, large. He reminds me of my own Spence. But the thing that I loved about him is that he did things in such a fucking clever macabre you know what i mean like the shit he did to his mom or like the heads outside the window like looking up to her mom always did like people looking up to her like that shit is eerie and it's like but like you put some thought into that shit but how many kids this is the part i think about is how many kids go through what ed kemper went through where his mom cares more about Trying to be a child and trying to be in the cool kid club and trying to be like she was. She wanted to go hang out with all those, all the college kids and try to be the cool mom. From what I understand, I haven't gone in depth on him, but I've I've read, I've read a little bit. And from what I understood that she was always leaving him at home to go do that kind of stuff. It made me think of a certain someone that I know that was so involved in trying to be the cool mom or be with these kids and it was like fuck this poor kid this guy snapped he snapped because he was like why doesn't she love me why not me why am you know i get it like there are so many people when she did spend time with him look what she did yeah you know what i mean but i do like i do have a certain fascination with certain people i wouldn't like i i would never send in a inappropriate or explicit or sexually charged anything to ed kemper i just happen he happens to be like my fave yeah he does he he really fascinates me not in like the glorify his murder way but in the like he's got some he's got some cogs turning upstairs like true psychopath yeah he's got some cogs turning upstairs that i'm like i don't know too 
And then there's, yeah, and then there's that sympathy of... I'm not uh, sympathizing with the serial killer. Don't put me in that group. But no, but you, what you he understand. Through, yep. What he went through before he cracked. It's, yeah. Um, But groupies, I can't stand groupies. Like, no. girls that were showing up to court and, you know, Ooh, poor Richard. I, dude, can I sympathize with things that happened to Richard Ramirez as a child yep. that formed him into the person that he is? Absolutely. Yep. Does that make me want to show him my fucking cooter? No. A no. That is the last place I want him to ever be. And and, and I want to you know be what? like... And, like, don't do that. Like, you, y'all bitches are fucking gross. Stop doing that. Find better people to be attracted to. Like, you nasty. Men, women, fucking otherwise. I don't even give a shit. Like, stop doing that shit. You want to go up to him and be like, you are literally I would flirting. smack the fuck out of... Like... No, you're literally flirting with somebody that raped a little boy. That raped a little girl. And then fucking and killed you, her. And that's what you want? That's what you want to have attention to? That's Show me what, on the doll where your daddy fucking touched you. For fucking real. Like, do like you and I really don't mean that in like a rude, mean, no. fucking unkind, callous kind of a way. I'm like, for real, dude, like, let's get you some fucking help before you end up fucking getting yourself hurt. Like, you're trying to attract a, a, that? a dick, a literal penis that has been in multiple children. Oh, Really what a horrible like, fucking thing. Right. Like that's what I want to say to them that I'm like, you're you you fucking gross. What you're the nasty. hell happened? Do I need to boil it down to that for you to realize what you're trying to attract right now? <sighs> Fuck you. Healthy people <laughs> don't go looking for people to hurt them. You guys are dumb. You fuck you fuck. are so stupid for real. What we need to gain, <sighs> what we need to do is like go to a counselor. Let's go see some therapies. Yes. All of them. Fuck. Sorry, that was my soapbox. <laughs> and then I immediately down now. I am I am so fucking bad because I immediately was like, go see the therapist. And then I think of Saturday Night Live, the rapist. That's yep. the therapist. Yep. <laughs> fucking loser. Not Stop that it. one. Not, Not that, that one. one. No. She's All like, right. okay. I know. <laughs> no. Jesus Christ. And, and that's where my brain went. And finally, uh, they didn't touch enough, I don't think, um, on Richard Ramirez's childhood. And so we're going to do that right now. They gave you like a... They gave you the Cliff's Notes version, which is fine. But they know what they need to do to hold audiences. And that's not it. For no. our audience, I would hope that's what's it. Because that's my favorite thing to do. And that's do. what you're getting. That's right what here. you're going to get. Right now. So um, I was going to say that later on we'll do a bigger, more in-depth. Can we say that yeah. or do we just leave them hanging? You know, I, I think what we're going to give you for right now is what they didn't deliver in the Netflix docuseries. We actually purchased, alongside that Aaron Hernandez mm-hmm. book, we do have material on Richard Ramirez. We do. And he has been one of the heavy hitters. That we intended to do. Are we going to do that right now? I am not. But we will come back. We will. So there will be an in-depth gory gal version of... The Night Stalker. The Night Stalker. The walk-in killer. It's not going to be now. Now is going to be... You get the childhood. Yeah. Because... It... And maybe, you, maybe this is because we've always enjoyed learning about what makes the gears go, the clock tick, so to speak. Mm-hmm. And generally, you learn quite a bit from us about the childhood that molds 
people into the killers that they are, which was basically left out of the docuseries. While Netflix did briefly touch on Richard Ramirez's childhood, we thought we'd dig in and discuss a little deeper. Just a little deeper. A little deeper. A little bit more than the tip, but not the full shaft. Yuck. That was horrifying after what we just talked about. Yep. That used to usually be a it's funny kind of joke. funny, but it's usually a funny dick joke, but not today. Yeah, not way to fuck well, it up. Well, you went there and you fucked it up. Way to make it awkward, bitch. <laughs> Richard Ramirez was born in El Paso, Texas, February 29th, 1960. So if you didn't know, now you know. He's a leap year baby. He's literally born like days before my mom. The Scary. youngest of Julian and Mercedes. Uh, Ramirez has five children. His siblings are Robert, Ruth, Joseph, and Reuben. I like how Joseph just got tossed in there with the J name after everybody else got the R name. Robert, Ruth, Richard, Reuben, and Joseph. And Joseph. You would think Joseph would be the psychopath, but no, it's Richard. It was Richard. It is reported that the children were all born with birth defects due to their mother being exposed to chemical fumes at a um, at work oh. in the boot factory where she was while she was pregnant. They range from respiratory difficulties to bone deformities. That's sad. That sucks. Um, his father, Julian, was a Mexican national and former Cuidado Juarez policeman. Uh, who later became a laborer at the Atchison, ooh, Atchison, Topeka, and Santa Fe Railway, was prone to fits of anger that often resulted in physical abuse. At the age of two, a dresser had fallen on Ramirez's head, causing a large forehead laceration. At five, he was knocked unconscious by a swing and started experiencing epileptic fits as a result of his injury. So can we talk about sort of what we talked about last week with the head injuries? Yes. Head injury after head injury. And... This also happened, speaking of Aaron Hernandez, when he was young, he kept getting all those concussions. Dude, one right after another. I think that there is a lot to be said by brain injuries. Yeah. Good thing my kid's already in counseling. He's like totally fucking set up to be a serial killer. So let's just keep an eye on that one. (laughs) You got it. Um, According to... Uh, Richard Ramirez's biography.com profile, the convicted serial killer sustained multiple additional head injuries Hmm. at an early age. That makes a lot more sense. Right? In a book about the Night Stalker, authored by Philip Carlo, claims that Richard's dad was violent towards the children. He himself had been beaten by both of his... um, on his paternal side, dad and grandfather. Mm-hmm. Despite vowing not to treat his five children the same way, things eventually did turn violent, and especially if the children got in trouble. For example, Richard's brother Reuben was arrested for stealing a car and developing a glue-sniffing habit. His other brother Robert had developed a drug problem. According to Carlo's book, The Night Stalker, The Life and Crimes of Richard Ramirez, Richard was very scared of his father. I just thought of somebody going in and being like, well, my problems are stealing cars and sniffing glue. (laughs) Oh, you guys don't have a poop-eating problem? I'm in the wrong room. (laughs) I'm sorry, this is the wrong meeting. Uh, I'm looking for the glue-sniffing meeting, the glue-sniffing car-stealing meeting. So... As, um, at 12 years old, Richard or Richie, as his family knew him, was strongly influenced by his older cousin, Miguel, and they called him Mike. 
Mike Ramirez. He was a decorated Green Beret combat veteran who often boasted about his gruesome exploits during his time in Vietnam. He shared Polaroids, right, photos of his victims, including Vietnamese women he had raped and tortured. Oh, my good God. In some of the photos, Mike posed with the severed head of a woman that he had abused. So these photos weren't just like, hey, honey, you got boyfriend in, you got a girlfriend in Vietnam? It wasn't just him like next to a woman. And no, these were like very graphic, very violent, fucking severed head. Stuff and, that bitch would really complain about if they made a documentary about uh, it. For reals. Now, Ramirez, who had begun smoking marijuana around the age of 10, bonded with Mike over getting high and gory war stories. Mike taught his young cousin some of the military skills, such as killing with stealth. Oh, good. I'm glad. Around this time, Richard also began to seek escape from his his father's violent temper, and this, um, this equated to him sleeping in the local cemetery. I did read, um, I can't remember the article, but I did read... Somewhere that his dad had actually strapped him to a crucifix and put him in the cemetery as a punishment. I read that too. Um, I don't know where, but right. I did read it that that's how he would punish him is uh, putting him on a cross and making him spend the night in the in the cemetery. In the cemetery, dude. That's no, honey. Look what you did. So he vowed you to can... break the cycle with his five children, but. <laughs> But he legitimately turned one into a serial killer. I feel like you one up to your parents. <laughs> Just saying. Sorry, that was a that was a fucking <laughs> mongoloid laugh. I'm not sure what that was, but it's true. Right. Uh, Richard Ramirez. Ramirez was present. Oh fuck! All right. So Richard was present on May fourth, nineteen seventy three, when his cousin Mike fatally shot his wife Jessie in the face. God damn. With a thirty eight. During a domestic violence argument. After the shooting, Ramirez became very sullen, withdrawn from his family and peers. Later that year, he moved in with his older sister, Ruth, and her husband, Roberto, who happened to be an obsessive peeping Tom. Oh. Yeah. So he's learning everything from the best of the best of the best. So during his very formative years, in puberty, when, you know, you're aroused by the wind blowing and you're just sorting out your pleasure center south of the border, he is seeing and hearing the worst possible things. So not only is he hearing about gore and horror and rape, he's also being introduced to, uh, what is that called? What's the legitimate term for peeping Tom? Night stalker. (laughs) I went totally blank as soon as you said, what was that term? That's when any thoughts that I've ever had before went. You could ask me my name and I'd have been like, "Mm, I don't know. Oh God. Wow. We both did it at the same time. Even that's fun. What the fuck is it called? Like literally everything says peeping Tom, like peeping Tom law, peeping Tom this. I'm like, holy shit. Is that really just like... I thought there was like sexual voyeur voyeurism. Voyeurism. Yay. I had to, yeah, the way that I got there was awful because I just thought of um, Aaron, what the hell was her name? The ESPN commentator that I think somebody was watching her pee or something. I can't remember. Oh, okay. (laughs) That was really difficult. 
I just want you to know that. <laughs> Me trying to come up with the word voyeurism really hurt my feelings, dude. <laughs> Jesus. Uh, the fact that I couldn't get it. Just woof. I just can't <clears throat> do it. I, I couldn't do it. I can't. Uh, so Mr. Roberto would take young Richard Ramirez with him on his little nocturnal exploits. So Richard also began using LSD and cultivated an interest in Satanism when he was quite young. Dude, here's the thing. <sighs> here's the thing. Personal opinion. No, uh, they used to microdose housewives with fucking LSD. Mm-hmm. Like you're supposed to be like happy go lucky and like feel the energy of the room and the colors and the nature and the what the fuck happened to you? Right? And ah. so most serial killers that we read they're like hidden and trapped in their own blah, blah, you know, like right. their own thoughts and feelings and and they hide and he's like literally being an apprentice. <laughs> It, uh-huh. Or, you know, apprenticing no, it, to be what he became. It 100%. Um, so Mike, his cousin, Mike mm-hmm. Ramirez, was found not guilty of Jesse's murder, his wife, by reason of insanity and was released in 1977. Three short years. Wow. Yeah. So uh, then four, he gets taught. Excuse me. Four total. Then he gets taught you can shoot somebody in the face as long as you're a little crazy, you'll get away with it. It's cool. So four years of incarceration at the Texas State Mental Hospital. And of course, his influence continued over young Richard Ramirez. he wasn't totally fixed from all that violent in four years. Or violence. (laughs) Violence. Violent. Uh, Hi, kids. You like violence? (laughs) You want me to stick nine inch nails through each one of my eyelids? The... The <laughs> fuck off. The adolescent Ramirez began to meld into his burgeoning sexual fantasies with violence, inclus- including and not limited to forced bondage and rape. While still in school, he took a job at a local Holiday Inn where he used his passkey to rob sleeping patrons. His employment ended abruptly after a hotel guest returned to his room to find Ramirez attempting to rape his wife. Jesus fuck. Although the husband beat the shit out of Richard Ramirez, I mean like senseless at the scene, criminal charges were dropped when the couple who lived out of state declined to return to testify against him. Well, why would they want to stay in a hotel? Well, why would you want to... Like, dude... Let, let's be honest. I don't know where they were from. They were traveling and they were vacationing in California. For all I know, they could have been from fucking New York. And the guy like kind of got his revenge I was going to say it was kind of like justice served, mm-hmm. like immediate. Well, because what if they <clears throat> what if they did go back and testify and he was found not guilty? Like, oh, what a fucking waste. kick in the balls. Come here. Well, um, Come they here, were like, but we are going to charge too. you with assault. Yeah, right. That would <laughs> you know be what my, I mean? That would be my luck. Like, he's fine. <clears throat> it, you know what I mean? But, but you, you beat the shit out of him, and we know that because here you go. Look at him. Well, so the charges were dropped. Mm-hmm. Well, so. Well, well so. so. Then Richard Ramirez dropped out of Jefferson High School in the ninth grade. What? Yeesh. So surprised. And that is basically... The, chi- the childhood of Richard the Ramirez. The childhood. In the book. 
I think this is the book that we have too. The book. The actual book. Yes. Actually. The Night Stalker, The Life and Crimes of Richard Ramirez by Philip Carlo. So this guy spent over a hundred hours with the killer at San Quentin's prison <sighs> on death row. Um, claims his father was sexually abused, or excuse me, physically abusive to the entire family. That at 12, he was exposed to rape and dismembered Vietnamese women. This is why I like to do books because they didn't do that in the documentary. He's dead. This guy went in and talked to him. That's why I like the book. I know. Sorry, I got excited. Nope, you're okay. So the, the, the entire book really covers in depth how he eventually became addicted to drugs, how he dropped out of high school. The A&E Real Crime spokesperson, uh, excuse me, A&E Real Crime spoke with Dr. Scott Bond, a criminologist and the author of Why We Love Serial Killers, The Curious Appeal of the World's Most Savage. I already know why I love them. I don't need to read. Right. Murders. Sorry, I cut murders. you off before you said murders. Murders. Um, anyway, about what he thinks were the most powerful catalysts for the making of a serial killer. Ramirez's early years were marked by childhood trauma, abuse, and addictions, but he also suffered from medical conditions. Do you think he was born or made into a serial killer? He is a different animal because I feel like he's a little bit of both. He was definitely made into one. Like, I, fucking, certainly, I certainly although, feel like he was made to be a serial killer. He probably had, like with the chemical thing, he had something a little off, which could have gone either, either way. way. But the way that he, the people that he was brought into made sure that he went that way. Right. There's always been a question of whether serial killers are born or made. In the case of Richard Ramirez, who is a sociopath as opposed to a psychopath, a psychopath is absolutely incapable of feeling any normal range of emotions. And that was the case with Bundy and Gacy. Mm -hmm. Ramirez, on the other hand, was prone to emotional outbursts. Very spontaneous, very volatile. A sociopath is developed through life experiences and it's manufactured in a society. Mm -hmm. So unlike Bundy or Gacy, who plan their murders meticulously, Ramirez randomly picked homes to break into. Psychopath wouldn't do that. No. Psychopath needs control. Like Bundy was your fucking textbook. Right. He was in And that's my armchair diagnosis and that's my final truth. That's the final truth. What seems to happen with some serial killers, and it happened with Dahmer, BTK, um, is that right around, and, and Bundy, is that right around puberty, sex and violence fused together in their brains, and they unfortunately become aroused by violence. Mm-hmm. So when his cousin is showing him fucking photographs of naked, abused, recently raped women, I'm sorry, but as soon as you, like, dude, if you're a 12-year-old boy and you see a naked picture, I don't care if it's an a tribes woman in a National Geographic, as soon as you see a naked female body and you are a heterosexual, you know what I'm saying? You're going to be aroused. Right. So, well, and a lot of, sorry, a lot oh, of okay. kids get confused at that age. They'll get confused because right. a lot of them, uh, not a lot, but some of the kids that get raped or molested by an older male... When they're 13, it confuses right. them because they felt an arousal that they didn't well, think with, that they 
yep should feel and then it and they condition them like and i think a lot of that was the aaron hernandez sorry i'm not trying but this is all bringing back a lot of aaron hernandez just because we keep saying his name so i just keep thinking about him but he was one of them raped as a little boy i wonder if he felt some sort of arousal and then got a guilty but then he kept fiddling with men Mm -hmm. later which is which is fine do what do what you want to do do what you want to do but don't kill people afterwards (laughs) Right, and he was a different kind of killer. He was yeah. just like a, a trying to be a gangster. Like, yeah. damn, it feels good to be a gangster. gangster. He was a total follower that thought he was a leader. Uh, yeah. You know. Yeah, nah. Difference. So Sorry. why was Ramirez so random in who he killed from young couples to children to elderly women? So there's this tendency to think that all serial killers are a one-size-fits-all, and that's not true. There's a typology of serial killers. Richard Ramirez was a thrill kill, like the Zodiac, okay, in San Francisco in the 60s. When he broke into somebody's home, he didn't know what he was going to find. He had made up his mind on the spot. Would he rape the woman, strangle the man, or shoot the man? There's There's no absolutes in criminology, but sociopaths are more likely to commit what are considered disorganized crimes. Yeah, he. I feel like he went a lot off of what kind of fear there was. Like, what is your fear going to make me react to, and then we're going to do that? There are some things that Richard Ramirez did that made 100% no motherfucking sense to me. Like, eating all the food in a refrigerator, throwing it up on the rug, and then jerking off on it. What the right? fuck was that? You should that? have seen my face. I wish I could have, like, had a picture of my face during that part, because I was like... You know what I think it was? Huh? Is like, I really believe that... <clears throat> the amount of, I don't, I gotta, I gotta, I gotta read the book cause I got questions. But what I'm, what I'm thinking is what money he did have went into fuel for his vehicle and drugs. Um, did he have a vehicle? Yes. Yeah, he would steal them. Yeah. He, you know what I mean? So he, he did have vehicles here, there and everywhere, but, um, you still got to put gas in the 1984 fucking gas guzzling motherfucker. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Even if gas was, you know. 52 cents back then. Right. And the, yeah, like, like about tree fitty. Tree fitty. Tree fitty. That's probably how he ate. So he would eat in these homes, right? The one that he jerked off on the rug, that was older, an older couple, right? Uh, I can't I recall. can't remember. Because I, I he, noticed the uh, pattern. But he like ate all the food in the fridge. And I'm wondering if like he overate or did he regurgitate on purpose? Did he overeat, get sick and vomit? Oh, I'm sure he overate. If he's not used to eating, he was scrawny. He, he probably was didn't very eat very skinny. Much. No, but he also had like a heroin and fucking cocaine problem. So you know what I mean? Right. Like you don't necessarily run right out and get the most nutritious of foods. Right. Obviously. Well, and the jackoff thing is just weird. That's just fucking weird. But like, there was that pattern where he would go kill an elderly couple and, and then, then go like, rape somebody and like somebody else out, younger. You know. And chill. And Did he need eat. food before he went and raped? Like, is he like, I, I need fuel for this? Oh, I don't know. From what I understand, like, the timeline of everything would indicate that he got comfortable post-murder and post-rape And was time. like, oh, snacks. Oh, look, Let's, fucking snacks. Like, well, yeah, like, when you come to my house, you're like, what kind of snacks do yeah, you have? Yeah, what do we fucking got? Snacks. Maybe that's what he was like, what what they got? Wait, what do they got? I think I saw them grocery shopping <laughs> today. Let's see what they Ew. got. Um, he mutilated and savagely beat his victims and performed acts of sodomy on many of his female victims. So what drove him to be such a sadistic killer and rapist 
well. His special cousin that showed him that shit? It was all about his need for stimulation and satisfaction and thrill. Mm -hmm. So why did he rob? Well, partially for money and partially for excitement. Sex and violence were all a huge grand adventure for him. So it was like a Six Flags amusement park because it was literally all about the thrill of you know, is this window going to be unlocked? Is this door going to be unlocked? Who's going to be in this bedroom when I go in there? What is their face going to be like? How, what good, what kind of a what good kind of fear stuff? face do they have? And, and, you know, there were some where he did take a considerable amount of cash or jewelry or what have you. Um, and then you go and pawn and sell your shit so that you can afford drugs, candy, clearly not dentistry, gas for your car, maybe a place to sleep. You know what I'm saying? I just thought of the disappointment of if someone broke into my house, they would be like, really? Really? I'm going to try to steal what? Uh, what? Your pantry even sucks. What the fuck? <laughs> if somebody broke into my house, like, God bless you. You got in, motherfucker, but you ain't, you ain't getting, getting out. out. And you could stay in bed. You wouldn't have a fair <laughs> I don't even face because you would be like, eh. <laughs> Could you clean up after yourself after you get killed by the dogs? Could you clean it up, please? Could you do me a favor and bleed on the other side of the fucking carpet? Do it Stay on the, the wood. Stay in the kitchen. Stay in the kitchen. Bleed on the surfaces. Easy to sanitize and clean that don't stain. Thanks. Okay, bye. <laughs> Thanks. I, um, which is really funny because my dog was never, uh, he was never aggressive or territorial until like the last three years. Um, in one of his incomplete murders... Ramirez attempted to strangle a girl with a phone cord, but saw sparks emanating from the cord and realized she was still breathing. Immediately, he fled the house, believing that Jesus had intervened to save her. It was like, not that one. Did he have delusions or was it like the subtle epiphany of guilt? I don't think he had guilt, so I think it was a, a delusion. To the extent that he believed in Satan was his benefactor. Um, it would make sense that he had something symbolic that, you know, it was like some sort of divine intervention. Um, and it would be consistent with his belief system. But Richard Ramirez was not insane, either clinical or from a legal perspective. So for him to, like, for us to say that it was like a delusion, I don't think that that would have fit in. Then it could be a belief. <clears throat> right. Ramirez knew it was wrong. He just didn't care and had an appetite for killing. Yeah. A sociopath is not medically ill, according to the American Medical Association. Hmm. That's interesting. Right. Uh, so why was he such an avowed Satanist? Let's be honest. He did it for attentionis. Guaranteed. Right. Guaranteed. He was a very disturbed person, but he was a complete narcissist, and he really mm -hmm. loved the notoriety. He had groupies, the fucking bitches, that flocked to his trials. He had those dark, good looks. I don't... And I, I will agree with this if, if I didn't know who Richard Ramirez was, right? Right. And I saw the flowing long hair, nice grill, tall chiseled fucking cheekbones right. and grill sunglasses and he walked by and whistled i would turn the fuck around right i and would totally tall, turn around tall, yeah tall dark and handsome yep. dude yeah because so, they, they only show you the pictures of him as like the monster you didn't see good looking richard ramirez until he was in court the end, and then yeah. you dude he makes this one face mm -hmm. where he's like 
and he like growls at the camera. That's the kind of shit these bitches eat up. It is. Because anywhere else in the United, like anywhere else in the universe, had he not been a rapey, stabby, shooty, fucking piece of shit, child molesting, fucking pedophile, yeah. he would have actually been attractive. Yeah. Yeah. Me. Eh. Eh. Fuck uh, you. <clears throat> Fuck but you, Richard. The, you know, the dark good looks and dressed only in black with his sunglasses on because his fucking future was so bright. Right. He looked like a fucking movie star and he basked in that attention. Mm -hmm. And so I think he liked the enigma that people couldn't understand. Mm -hmm. You know, hail Satan with your fucking wrong side up fucking pentagram, you penis wrinkle. The first thing I thought of when he said hail Satan, I was like, no, that's not yours anymore. It's not yours anymore. Fucking hail yourself. That, that's Henry's. No. Which one of them says it? I just fucking forgot. I think it's Henry. <laughs> hail Satan. Yeah, because Ben says hail yourself and Marcus says hail Gene. Kate, I was right. Gene, yeah. That's that's Henry's now. It's not yours. He took it's it. It's Zabrowski's. And I can only hear Zabrowski say it it's from now on. for you. You lost it. Lost it. Sorry. So I don't really <laughs> believe. I don't think. I, I don't think most people really believe that he was that into Satan. I think that he was, uh, I think he was as much a Satanist as I am a Satanist. And I yeah. have, I have shit that has Baphomet on it. That's like, what's your, you know, who's your God? You know, what's your name? Your God. That's yeah. my favorite shirt. And I don't wear it in public very often because I live somewhere where it's very possible for me to be tarred and fucking feathered for wearing that shit in a public. Somebody at McDonald's that worked there had a Ouija board mask on. I have one too now. I know. I, I, that's what Calvin said after. Cause I was like, I like your mask. Yeah. And I don't know if it was a he or she. The person didn't hear me. So, and then Calvin's like, Angel has one just like that. I'm like, I know. <laughs> I love the occult. I like witchy shit. I like, you know what I mean? It doesn't necessarily make me a fucking Satanist. I just like that kind of shit. And I right. think that's kind of where he was. I think the Satanist factor made him that much more scary. Well, and it went with what he wanted to do. It right. fit with what he wanted to do. So, so. So. When Ramirez first heard that court had sentenced him to death, he snarls. Big deal. Death was all, death always comes with the territory. See you in Disneyland. Hey, <laughs> Why did he never show any remorse over his bloodshed? Well, because he was a fucking sociopath. That he was. Sociopath. Sociopath. I'm a sociopath. <laughs> Sociopaths can form bonds with certain individuals under certain circumstances. Unlike a psychopath, but generally speaking, they have no remorse. And he fits that profile. That he does. So. Sociopath. So, so you like to see some sociopaths? That, that's probably one of the... <clears throat> when my therapist was like, you are actively going to have to try very hard not to fucking be a sociopath. You're like, Why? I was like, ew, rude. I am not a sociopath. He was like, let me highlight everything on this fucking chart what says you really just are. And... And he's right. Or you're like, you know what? Fuck you with your oh, facts bit. and no, logic, logic and your fucking charts, your flow charts. Fuck your flow Fuck chart. your flow I'm chart. Set it on fire. <laughs> Sociopath, this bitch. <laughs> 
fuck your flow chart. I'll set the motherfucker. I'll improve on your method. Fucking do it like Trogdor and just start burning eating. Burning eating the peasants. Was that Fucking the peasant? therapist that wears the track pants? Yeah, yeah. Old Man Ed. Yeah. Oh, fuck, I liked him a lot. I just envisioned that whole conversation, and it was fun to me. Oh, God, dude, you are a fucking sociopath. You are going to actively have to try very hard not to do these fucking things that are horrible to do to other people, like manipulate them and gaslight them and be, you know... Murder. Wait, what? I would never murder I know. somebody for fun or... <laughs> just rage. That's it. <sighs> I feel like I have a much firmer, firmer grasp on my anger issues. Big time. It might not sound like it when, and especially like in the last episode where I'm like, dude, if somebody threatens me with physical violence, I am immediately like people are fight or flight. I walk around in fight mode all the fucking time, dude. Yeah. I'm just like, <laughs> no, but like, you're not a fucking tough guy. Motherfucker, I'm not trying to be tough. Like, I literally walk around at 10. You're like my my little dog. Yeah. Where, where it's like, you know what? We're cool. But you're bigger than me, so I'm just going to have to go a little bit crazier. <laughs> Fuck you. <laughs> I know what I need to do. <laughs> but yeah, like all of... I think I have a much better a, a much better grasp on my, Big my time. anger. Big time. And my communication. Like, mm-hmm. hey, I need you to stop that because it's actually this, 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 and this. So, well, and you, I've noticed also that you're like, I know that I do that, but I can't handle it when you do it. I can't hear it. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, okay, it's weird. And I know it's a pain in the dick and I know I'm a fucking creep, but at least I'm not Richard Ramirez. Right. So maybe fuck your flow charts. I'll Uh, set them on fire. (laughs) Set set on fire. And stay Stay out out of chalk lines. lines. Goodbye. Goodbye.